The Women Like You podcast would like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional owners of the land we walk on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Two ways, two important ways to measure success and how well you're doing with your exercise that have nothing to do with how you look in the mirror, how you look in your activewear, what number is on the scale when you step on, yeah. um, none of that. It's Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah and I'm a GP that works in fertility and women's health. And I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. And if your motivation to exercise is to lose weight, you might be disappointed with the results. Look, exercise is brilliant for many reasons, but exercise on its own is not the best way to lose weight and it's not the best way to measure your progress. Yes, forget the toned abs, the butts and the thighs. Doctor, what should my vitals look like? And by that I mean, what other health markers should I be focusing on other than weight loss and what's on the scales? Yes, yes, yes. Well, this episode, my friends, is a two-parter. First, we'll cover blood pressure and heart rate. And in part two, we're going to take a look at glucose and insulin levels and also a bit of a look at lipids and cholesterol. Lipids. Lipids. Uh, Sarah, blood pressure. It's one of those things that, you know, when I do go visit the doctor um, and, you know, they often will take my blood pressure and Mm -hmm. they'll go, oh, yep, everything looks good there. I don't really know what it is and, yeah, why it's important. So let's, well, then let's have a chat about what it is. So you, when you go to the doctors, they'll often uh, give you two numbers. So they'll say, with any luck, your blood pressure is about, you know, 120 on 80 or or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. That top number is your systolic blood pressure. This measures the force your heart exerts on the walls of your arteries each time it beats. Diastolic blood pressure, which is the bottom number, measures the force your heart exerts on the wall of your arteries in between beats. So kind of your pumping pressure and then your resting pressure. I guess why this is important and why we want to have a chat about this today is because hypertension, which is abnormally elevated blood pressure, is in itself an independent risk factor for developing heart disease, kidney failure, stroke, dementia, even blindness, like the list goes on. And And the reason why I wanted to have a chat about this today is because most people will not have symptoms of early hypertension, so it's a really important one to get checked. Wow. Okay. So you talked about that 120 over 80. Yeah. I'm assuming that's kind of what we're aiming for. Yeah, it's it's what we're aiming for. A lot of, certainly in my experience, a lot of younger women um, and and people who are in good health, their their blood pressures might be lower than that. And often patients will say to me, oh, my blood pressure is a bit low because you'll take it and it's 90 on 60. But that's normal for them. Mm -hmm. Really, the, the dangers... Uh, and, and the risk comes from having elevated blood pressure. So my general rule of thumb is you can't have b- blood pressure that's too low unless you fall over. Um, so we want to keep it to 120 on 80 or less because when it starts to creep up from there is when we're going to start to see the complications of hypertension. What are some of the risk factors for high blood pressure? So, yeah, there's absolutely a number of risk factors for high blood pressure. So age is definitely one of them. Your your 
blood pressure will increase as you get older. And uh, up until about the age of 64, high blood pressure is way more common in men than in women. But uh, but after the age of 65, we'll start to see that women are probably more likely to develop high blood pressure. But age is definitely not the only thing. I think a really important one to remember, and this is going to always be the case when we're thinking about cardiovascular risk, family history. Mm. So high blood pressure, essential hypertension, typically runs in families. So if you know that your mum and dad has high blood pressure or is on hypertensive, antihypertensive medications, then that's another reason to go get checked. The truth is obesity can be a risk factor in and of itself. So the more that you weigh, the more blood you need to supply oxygen and nutrients to your tissues. And as the amount of blood flows through those tissues increases, so does the pressure on your artery walls. So I know that we, uh, you know, we often say this is not the podcast about weight loss and exercising purely for aesthetic gains, but in some cases, carrying too much weight can in and of itself be a risk factor for cardiovascular disease you know, via that mechanism of high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Not being physically active. Boom. Yes. <laughs> this is the podcast Hello. for that. <laughs> this is the podcast. For We're that. not here for the weight loss, baby. We're here for getting physically active. That's right. So people who are inactive tend to have higher heart rates, and we're going to get to that a little bit later today. And the higher your heart rate is, the harder your heart must work with each contraction and the stronger that force is on your arteries. So stronger force on your arteries, increased blood pressure. A couple of things that are modifiable, don't smoke. So tobacco is in itself something that will pop your blood pressure up as is too much salt in ah, your diet. So too much sodium. Yeah. It's a massive one for me because I'm an absolute salt fiend. Mm. I can leave the sweets behind, but, you know, give me give me soy sauce, Vegemite any, any day of the week. Yeah, see, so, I'm both, baby. I'm, I'm equal equal parts uh, <laughs> savoury and equal sweet. Opportunist. <laughs> equal opportunist. So too much sodium in your diet can absolutely cause your body to retain fluid, which, okay. again, increases your blood pressure. Too much booze. So, Uh, you know, if you drink alcohol, please do so in moderation. Um, I'll pop a link in the the show notes to the current Australian guidelines for safe alcohol consumption. I'll admit, a lot of us have, (laughs) I think we've been overindulging a little bit through the silly season. So now is a good time to review your alcohol intake for no other reason than to improve your blood pressure. Yes. Okay. Yep. Don't do it to, yeah, you know. What's the word I'm after? Don't do it to be a buzzkill. Do it for your blood pressure. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Chill out. Um, And there are definitely certain chronic conditions that will potentially increase your risk of developing high blood pressure, including kidney disease, diabetes, and sleep apnea, which I think are three pretty common things that we see in our society these days. So if you know that you are at risk of any of those things, that's another reason to go get your BP checked. Mm, I'm just looking at that family history and going, yeah, good times. Good times ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Lucky we now have a uh, relatively um, regular exercise habit. Yes. So um, how often do I need to get my blood pressure checked? Well, it's it's a non-invasive test. So I would suggest that at a bare minimum, get your blood pressure checked at least annually. I think the the current guidelines say every two years, but, you know, annually is, it's very easy. It's a two minute thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So blood pressure should be measured in all adults from 18 years of age, at least every two years. But if we think about your underlying cardiovascular risk, so using that, uh, I think we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, the cardiovascular risk assessment tool that you can do online where Mm -hmm. you pop in kind of your details of 
you know, what your blood pressure is, what your cholesterol is, what your family history is, are you a smoker, all of these kind of factors. It will give you an estimation of what your chance of developing cardiovascular disease in the next five years is. If you are low risk, yeah, blood pressure check every two years at a minimum, I'd have a crack every year. If you are at moderate risk, then you should have your blood pressure checked at least every six to 12 months. And if you're at high risk of developing cardiovascular disease, blood pressure is something that we can do to reduce your risk. So make sure that you're getting it checked every six to 12 weeks. And just a real dumb question here, uh, just so I know that I've got this completely correct. Blood pressure is the one where the doctor puts that little kind of strap around your upper arm That's and the then one, presses baby. go and then it's it increasingly gets tighter and tighter and squeezes yep. your upper arm and then you panic thinking, is this thing going to stop or is it going to keep squeezing <laughs> into my arm? Some people breaks? are really, yeah, some people find it really, really anxiety provoking, yeah, not, just the, not just the worry about what their results will be, but just that tightening feeling around It's just around more, is the machine going to stop? Like, does it know when to stop? <laughs> it does. Okay. It does. Or or otherwise you'll have, you know, in, uh, in one of my offices, I still have an old school um, Sphygmo, uh, taped to my wall which which is the manual one where you squeeze the squeeze the balloon and what's it called a sphygmomanometer sphygmomanometer ah so many things i learned from you every single week the old sphygmo (laughs) and that's when you'll also use that in conjunction with your stethoscope to have a listen to the different sounds as uh, as blood flow recommences through your arteries as the pressure of that cuff is released yeah okay so Obviously, this is a podcast about exercise and we're Indeed looking at ways, looking at uh, measures of success other than weight loss, um, you know, as a reason for motivating us to do more exercise. Does exercise actually help to reduce elevated blood pressure? Yes. <laughs> da, 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 drum roll, da, 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 please. Da, da, da. Yeah. Yes. It does. So there's been, look, this is also, this is science that has been around for a long time. This is good quality science it has been repeated and repeated and repeated and come back with consistent results. There are a number of studies that have consistently demonstrated the beneficial effects of exercise on hypertension, so high blood pressure, mm-hmm. um, with long-term reductions in both your systolic and your diastolic pressures with as much as kind of a five to seven millimeter reduction in hypertension. So that is significant. This is in a similar realm to what we might expect with a first-line antihypertensive medication. So I will, um, I'll pop a couple of links to some studies from a quality peer-reviewed journal called Current Hypertension Reports mm-hmm. that if anybody is looking for a bit more detailed information, you can sink your teeth into. Um, the first paper I've linked there is from 2015 titled Influence of Physical Activity on Hypertension and Cardiac Structure and Function. And then there's another good one from 2013, Uh, titled Physical Activity and the Prevention of Hypertension. I know these ones go back a couple of years, but this is, you know, they are really good quality studies and and we know know the science on this. Wow. And so you're literally saying here that in some cases, exercise reduces elevated blood pressure to the point where it's it's effectively or maybe as effective as a particular type of hypertension medication. Yeah. And then if you're thinking about, you know, because we always want to think a little bit more globally than just you know, throwing medications at a problem. Mm-hmm. If we can, if we can put in place some good lifestyle modifications that don't have any side effects. And let's face it, exercise not only is going to, you know, reduce your blood pressure by five to seven millimeters, but 
it's also going to give you all of those other beautiful juicy benefits that we talk about every mm. week. Mm. And then if we then need to use an, an anti-hypertensive medicine in addition to that, then you're getting you know, double the bang for your buck. Yes. That's incredible. Okay, so blood pressure, obviously, clearly something that you can absolutely track as a marker of success or as a marker yep. of health. Non-invasive. You can get your blood pressure measured at your GP. You can pop into your pharmacy. They'll do it for you. You can buy a cheap little blood pressure monitor off Amazon. It's it's an easy one to keep track of. It's a really important marker of cardiovascular risk. All right. What else you got for uh, other measures of success other than uh, what's on the scales, perhaps? Yes. So we're going to talk heart rate. And, uh, and I- I'm I'm so I'm so into my own heart rate. Is that like a really vain thing to uh, talk about? I've always had I've always thought that I had a particularly high heart rate, which mm-hmm. I kind of think I did because I was unfit, probably a little bit overweight that wasn't great for my health and mostly I just was doing bugger all exercise. Mm-hmm. And then I got myself the old Garmin watch. Ah, uh, yes. You can non- track your heart rate at all times. <laughs> I do. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit fascinated by my heart rate. Um, but it's, it's a really, I actually think it's a really fun way to measure your progress without looking at numbers on the scale or numbers on a tape measure. Um, and heart rate is really important. Okay. In fact. Why? What is it? And why is it important? <laughs> Well, you know what your heart rate is. So your heart rate is the number of times that your heart beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because ultimately, this is going to sound a bit trite, but your heart's function is so <laughs> important. Your heart circulates oxygen and nutrient-rich blood throughout your body. And so if your ticker is not working properly, just about everything is affected. And heart rate is really central to this process because the function of the heart called the cardiac output, you'll sometimes see this referred to as the CO, is directly related to heart rate and stroke volume. Stroke volume is the amount of blood that's pumped out with each beat. Okay. So, yeah. So, heart rate, again, is really critical for healthy heart function. So, what should my resting heart rate be? There's a little bit of conjecture about. Um, So basically a normal heart rate is generally considered to be about 60 to 100 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. Slower than 60 is what we call bradycardia, which just means slow heart rate. And (laughs) faster than 100 is referred to as tachycardia or a fast heart rate. But I think many experts would suggest that an ideal resting heart rate, and by resting means you know your heart rate when you are not exerting yourself, mm-hmm. should probably be closer to about 50 to 70. So don't be don't be alarmed if your resting heart rate is 57. That doesn't mean that you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also really important to realise, and I'm sure we all do, that your heart rate is going to vary depending on the situation. Okay, so what causes a slower or a faster heart rate? Obviously, I'm assuming exercise is going to be one of the factors for fast heart rate, right? Indeed it is. Okay. So, slow heart rate, I think, if we think about sort of healthy slow heart rate versus abnormally slow heart rate. So, a healthy slow heart rate may be due to being super physically fit. Okay. So, you know, like marathon runners will often have a resting heart rate of like 45 or something. Um, And that's just because they have such a, you know, well tuned cardiovascular system that they don't need to pump their heart as often as the rest of us do to get a good amount of oxygenated blood around their body. Wow. So being physically fit is a good 
reason for your heart rate to lower. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, it's a, it's a fun marker. If you're trying to work out, you know, are you making progress without just looking at the scales, without just looking at, at you know, the clothing size, then I think keeping a little eye on your heart rate is a fun way to see if you are getting some progress. Certainly, in addition to that, certain medications can definitely slow the heart rate in a predictable way. So there are medications called beta blockers, which act on the heart's intrinsic pacemaker. So the little cells within your heart that tell the heart to beat at a certain at a certain rate. Yep. And sleep. So you will have a slower heart rate in sleep, although it can ri- it can rise a bit during the REM stage. But generally, your heart rate should be a bit slower. When you're uh, when you're snoozing, okay, and so that's what you're suggesting um, should be around the fifty to seventy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Fifty to seventy, unless you're a marathon runner, forty-five. Okay, cool. Yep. Shout out to all the marathon runners <laughs> listening to the Women Like You podcast. <laughs> Obviously, need our tips, don't they? <laughs> oh, so good. All right. So okay, the times when a slow heart rate is bad. Absolutely. So if you have problems with the electrical circuits in your heart or with that intrinsic pacemaker, then we might see things like uh, heart block develop where we're you know, dropping a beat or, or the heart rate is, is getting abnormally slow and that can be potentially very, very dangerous. Electrolyte abnormalities can be a problem here. So very high levels of potassium in the blood can definitely cause a slower heart rate. And the other thing that's I think it's always important to think about if if your heart rate is abnormally high or abnormally low is your thyroid gland. So if you have an underactive thyroid, then we might start to see the heart rate slowing. And that's not that's not a good slow. That's a slow that we need to check out because your thyroid is so important for all other parts of your metabolic system. And so if you um are worried about any of those things, is there are there ways that you might know that you might have an underactive thyroid or something like that? Like, is it rocking some symptoms or something like that? Yeah. I mean, women who have an underactive thyroid are often very fatigued. They're finding that they're gaining weight when they haven't changed any other aspect of their life. They probably find that they've got dry skin, constipation. There's, you know, you'll feel pretty rubbish. So okay. it's probably, if you've got that constellation of symptoms, then I suggest you go and make an appointment with your GP. And then it's a very simple blood test to have a look at what your thyroid hormones are doing. Okay. What about a fast heart rate? Well, you said it, sister. <laughs> Healthy people can have a fast heart rate because they are exercising, particularly if it's quite rigorous and vigorous exercise. But it's also important to realise that when you are doing vigorous exercise, Dehydration can occur and that's going to make your heart rate go up even higher. So, oh. so it's important, obviously, when you're exercising, stay hydrated, people. Um, and that's going to you know, help you to raise your heart rate effectively, but not dangerously. Okay. The next one, obviously, is when you are nervous or excited. Yes. You know, while we said before that you know a heart rate over 100 could be considered abnormal, it's entirely expected if you are scared, like if you've had... <laughs> If you've had the shit scared out of you, your heart rate's going to spike up above 100. Yep. If you are being chased by a tiger, your heart rate's <laughs> going to go up because basically it's part of that fight or flight sy- syndrome. Yes. So we want to we want to get heaps of oxygen to your muscles so that you can get the hell out of there. Right. Okay. Yes. The other reason why you could have a fast heart rate is the use of things like stimulants. So obviously caffeine can yep. pop your heart rate up a little bit. Little little dose of cocaine will do that too. <laughs> I was so, say. <laughs> yeah, there are there are 
other stimulants out there. <laughs> other than yeah. caffeine, yep. <laughs> a little caffeine is fine. A little cocaine. A little cocaine, not so would, much. Would not recommend. <laughs> no cocaine, okay? No cocaine. Um, and your heart rate will actually be naturally higher during pregnancy. So for our pregnant listeners... Also, don't stress if you used to have a resting heart rate of 57 and now your resting heart rate is 67 or 77 because pregnancy will naturally put your heart rate up. Mm, Interesting. Okay, so when is it not great to have a faster heart rate? Yeah, so there's certainly a whole host of diseases that will be associated with a fast heart rate, including pretty much any infection and any cause of fever. And not surprisingly, other problems within the heart can can cause fast heart rate. So there's a condition called cardiomyopathy, yep. which is problems with the pumping function of the heart and, and the, the, the pump the pump doesn't work so well. Yep. Um or atrial fibrillation, where we have an what's called an irregularly irregular heartbeat. So it's the the actual rhythm of the heart's all over the shop, but sometimes that can be associated with a really rapid heartbeat. Or something called ventricular tachycardia, which isn't great, where the ventricles of your heart are pumping and uh, and you know contracting really really quickly. And as you can imagine, if you're you know if you've got a pump and it's pumping really really quickly, it doesn't have time to fill back up again with blood. Mm, yes. So that can be uh, not, not great. great. <laughs> it can be it can be a little bit fatal. Um, oh, just a little bit. Just, just a just a tad fatal. <laughs> Also, by conversely, we talked before about how high levels of potassium can slow the heart. Low levels of potassium can increase the heart rate. Ah. We talked before about low thyroid hormones slowing the heart. Overactive thyroid or too much thyroid medication, if you're on thyroid replacement, can also cause a fast heart rate. And this is a really important one because I think a lot of women will find that they become iron deficient and some of them can develop iron deficiency anemia and that will because again you it's anemia is impacting your ability to pump oxygen around your body and so as a compensatory mechanism the heart will start to pump faster yep so anemia is one to look out for and also breathing breathing difficulties things like asthma or emphysema can also impact on your heart rate again through mechanisms of poor oxygenation okay so then, okay, when it comes to exercise, what should your heart rate be during exercise? You know, you, you talked about your snazzy Garmin and the fact that you're yes. in love with your heart rate because you can kind of monitor it at all times. <laughs> when you're, oh, you know, going for a, a walk or a run. I'm yes, you a are. Yes, you are. I know. <laughs> when you're going for a walk or a run or... Well, um, apparently recording a podcast puts my heart rate up. <laughs> I'm just... Having a quick look there, we're sitting in the we're sitting in the eighties, but I I guess I'm not resting. Um, oh, so good. Um, how? Yeah. What What should my heart rate be when I'm exercising, Doctor? Alrighty. So, um, as we know, the Australian guidelines suggest getting about 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity exercise each week, and I think we've often spoken about what types of exercise might fall into those categories, but we can also determine exercise intensity based on your heart rate. Mm. So according to the CDC, moderate intensity exercise should put your heart rate in about 64 to 76% of your maximum heart rate. So generally maximum heart rate is considered to be 220 minus your age. 
Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is my yet. maximum heart rate is, so I don't know what 64 to 76% of it would be. Okay. 184. Okay. Oh, is, I've, done, I've, I've spent the afternoon. I spent the afternoon working these out for you and I, all right? <laughs> okay. Um, really important work I was doing. <laughs> uh, so my maximum heart rate is 220 minus 44, which is about 176. And moderate intensity exercise will then see me aiming to keep my heart rate in the range of about 112 to 134 beats per minute. Okay. You, my my love, are younger than I. And so at 36, your moderate intensity heart rate should be in the range of about 117 to 140. I mean, they're not not hugely different numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so if you're – let's say that you have one of these snazzy watches – then when you're out for your walk, take a look down and see what your heart rate is. And if you are doing a walk and you are in, you know, you're 117 or above. Good to go. Good to go. You're hitting that. You can count that towards your 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week. Awesome. For vigorous intensity exercise, we will have a higher target heart range. And so it should be somewhere between about 77 and 93% of your maximum heart rate. So for me, that's about 135 to 164 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And for you, that's about 142 to 171 beats per minute. I feel really uncomfortable about suggesting that you should do exercise that gets your heart rate to 171 beats per minute. I don't know if I can physically maybe, do exercise that gets me Maybe to. I am just a bit of a wuss, but uh, look, it's just... For me, that feels like the sort of numbers that you should really only be aiming for if you are an elite athlete with a team of people who are monitoring you and yes. you've had you know, full cardiovascular checkups, you are not at risk of you know, dropping dead on the sidewalk because you've absolutely overdone it yep. due to some poor advice that you heard on a <laughs> podcast one Tuesday. <laughs> so... Please don't do any of these things. Please, please. (laughs) So, honestly, I think what's the harm in in going for moderate? And if you are going to, uh, if you're going to really embark on some high-intensity, vigorous, rigorous exercise, then go and check yourself out with a GP first or maybe make an appointment with an exercise physiologist who can also do some assessments with you. And, uh, yeah, do not embark on this without without a safe plan. Take it easy, take it sensible. But if you're wanting to kind of assess whether the exercise that you are doing is moderate or vigorous, then checking out what your maximum heart rate is and uh, and what percentage your what percentage of your maximum heart rate you are exercising at can be a good way. Excellent. So just to go over that to recap, uh, for moderate intensity exercise, which I think is probably the level that most of us are, are exercise sloths are more comfortable working at. Yeah, um, and, and working up to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moderate intensity exercise should put your heart rate in the 64 to 76% of your maximum heart rate. So 220 minus your age and then work out what's about 64 to 76% of that. Yeah. That's what you should be hitting. Perfect. And so if I don't have a fancy Garmin watch though, yeah. um, how do I calculate my heart rate? Yeah, so I would uh, – you'll still need some sort of a timepiece. Yep. Um, and uh, and so you can either – you can measure your 
heart rate at your wrist, so on the thumb side of the underside of your wrist, and with your you know first and first and second fingers, a little bit of pressure there. Watch your watch the clock for thirty seconds. Count the number of times that you feel your pulse in thirty seconds. Double it, and that's your heart rate. Alternatively, you can have a little feel of the uh, the artery that's just under the under the jaw, under the kind of the angle of the jaw. And, oh yeah, I can feel and, that one better. Yep, and do the and do the same thing. <laughs> For so, a second there, when you were telling me to do the wrist one, I was like, I don't have a heart rate, doctor. I don't have a heart rate. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. There it is. There it is. <laughs> So, I, I mean, some some people will just do it for 15 seconds, times it by four. I think it's a little bit more accurate to do it for 30 seconds. Or you can you can sit there for a minute and chill the hell out. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> okay. Heart rate and blood pressure. Two ways, two important ways to measure success and how well you're doing with your exercise that have nothing to do with how you look in the mirror, how you look in your active wear, what, what number is on the scale when you step on? Yeah. Um, none of that. What's your thigh gap measures, Ash? <laughs> I don't even know how you measure a thigh gap. I don't know. I don't have one. I know that much. <laughs> oh. The Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for listening and sharing our little pod. You can follow us on socials. Just search for Women Like You podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yes, and please leave us a review if you have time. It helps other women to find our pod. Um, And you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And next week, we are doing part two of this series where we take a look not so much at your blood pressure and heart rate and those kind of vitals, but some important metrics that you can measure in your blood tests. So we're going to check out glucose, insulin, cholesterol, what do they mean and how does exercise play its part? Love it. Lipids. Lipids. I don't know why I always sing at the end of these episodes. Neither. I think it's because we get to the end and we're just delirious. I've got so much adrenaline. 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 tachycardia. Uh, what was the, the other one that I really enjoyed? Uh, Sphygmomanometer. Sphyg- yes, that one. And mm-hmm. uh, there was... The, uh, the, the the tacky bad something good or tacky slow Brady cardia, something tachycardia. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Bradycardia slow, tachycardia high. You are winning. Yes, low, low, high, low, mm. high, high, low. All yeah. right, we're done. I love you. I love you too. I'll see you next week. Indeedy. Lipid.